In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. As I was walking the dog this morning around the neighborhood, I said a little prayer of thanksgiving for the New York delis that are open on Christmas Day. I prayed for the workers and their families and really do hope that they and others who work on this day are being compensated for their holiday work. I remember it was always great fun to work on a holiday when I bagged groceries in a grocery store because we got double time. I hope that's the case for those folks who are working today. But I especially gave thanks for what can be found in those delis and the 7-Eleven, good, strong, hot coffee. (laughs) As I watched a, a grateful couple leaving a deli this morning, cradling their coffee in their hands like a rare and precious gift after the the newer high-end coffee shops are all closed today, I thought about one of my favorite movies and a particular scene in it. Some of you may have seen that movie called Wings of Desire. We should show it here sometime over in Drazel Hall. Stay tuned. (laughs) Wings of Desire is a film by the German filmmaker Wim Wenders, and it's a slightly strange movie with, of all people, Peter Falk of Columbo fame, for those old enough to remember it, playing a major role. Among the many things the film is about, it's about angels. In particular, Wings of Desire is about one angel who really wrestles with whether he should remain an angel or become human. Should he remain an angel, a little bit removed from life at a distance, watching, seeing, understanding everything, but unable to affect, observing, but unable to intervene? Finally, the decision's made. He wants to become human, and as an angel, he drops from the sky. His wings almost fall off. One of the first discoveries he makes is that he's bleeding. When he fell, he's become scratched, and there's a little bit of blood. Blood, something no angel knew or had. He never had to deal with that before. And so he sort of walks along in wonder at the blood that's his blood. He walks in wonder at the cold, at the light, at the wind, at the feeling of the ground beneath, at the sight of the air above. And then this angel turned human buys a cup of coffee. It burns his hand, it's so hot, but it's wonderful for him. It's wonderful to feel the coffee, to hurt, to be human. As I said, the movie's a strange one. And while it has to do with an angel who wants to become a human, it gives a different perspective on one of the most basic aspects of our being, something we take for granted simply being human. Christmas Day is not a good day for doing theology or philosophy or theory or trying to make arguments or being convincing. It's a day for love. It's a day that celebrates the depth to which God's love 
has come and continues to come into the world. Emmanuel, that old Hebrew word for God with us, God wanting to be with us always, everywhere, God wanting to be like us, to, to feel what we feel, to know what we, feel, what we know, to, to cry human tears, to bleed human blood, to die a human death. And then because of love, through love, by the power of love, to to raise the dead to new life and to reach back into humanity and lift each and every to loving eternity. The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. The very word of God, the word of God no longer a long ways off, no longer whispered, but shouted out loud for all to hear and see. The word that gave the world its whirling around and set the planets spinning. The word of God that put syllable with syllable in a new way, creating an entirely new syntax of love, which was spoken in the form of a helpless, crying, needy, smelly little baby. God's word of action and creation, of revealing and redeeming, took the form of a human creature who was not even able to care for himself. We miss the point of Christmas if we look only for magic in the stars and overlook the miracle on earth As one theologian named Shirley Guthrie has has put it, when we talk about God's presence in the world, we're not talking about simply a spiritual presence or or a feeling or a vague perception of some good or charitable thought. Instead, when we talk about God's presence in the world, we're talking about geography. Jesus was born in a place. He was born in Palestine, an an outpost all but overlooked by the Roman Empire, all but overlooked today. We're talking about politics. Jesus was born in the middle of a census. There was danger of political revolution. Many of the religious expected a Messiah who would come any day and turn the world upside down, a political revolutionary. When we talk about God's presence in the world, we're talking about economics. Jesus was born in a barn to parents of meager or poor means. With the story of Jesus, the word made flesh, we're not just talking about religious theory or myth of world religion with nice music attached. We're talking about the God of heaven and earth who has come into the world as a human being who was ignored, ridiculed, and killed. We're talking about God who in human form died the same death we will die, but rose again from the grave, and in so doing has opened up a way of eternal life for each one of us. God who touches, God who heals, God who helps, God who forgives, God who reconciles, God who raises from the dead and restores to life eternal. God in the flesh, Jesus has power to transform the ordinary into the miraculous. He brings God's presence into the everyday and the mundane. Think of the scriptures. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, their conversation transforms a bucket of water into a symbol of hope and healing. And the woman then tells the whole village. 
Think of when Jesus meets Nicodemus late one night. Jesus brings God's presence into the life of a religious official, someone who'd seen and read and done just about everything. He thinks he's pretty much finished with life. Life is figured out. But Jesus turns all that upside down for Nicodemus and shows Nicodemus how to be born anew. Again and again and again, this is what Jesus does when he meets the rich young ruler. It's God's presence that shows the young man just how difficult it is to live freely while one is weighted down by stuff. When Jesus appears to Mary and Joanna and the other women in the garden, it's God's presence that shows them the light of the resurrection. It's God's presence that gives them hope and strength And so they then can spread the word with other apostles as they build the church together. God's presence is throughout the scriptures, but what about in our own day? We're told the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's the good news of this day. Not that the word of God has come and gone, but that the word of God dwells among us. God is with us. God is with our hopes and our dreams. God is in the very things we struggle with. God's in the very people we struggle against. If we're looking for a God who's outside our pain, who's somehow beyond our longing, removed from our suffering, unfeeling and untouched by who we are and what we need, then we can continue to gaze into heaven. That God has not come. But if we're looking inside our own world, inside the eyes of another, if we look inside ourselves, if we look for God whose presence permeates our crazy, upside-down world, then we have that God. We have seen his face, Emmanuel, God with us. God the ever-creating, ever-renewing, ever-forgiving, ever-enjoying, ever-accepting, ever-loving presence with and within us. God comes close to be close to us, to know us more intimately, to be a part of our lives more fully of all the gifts, of all the things we receive this year. May our hearts be empty and open enough to receive God born anew in each one of us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.